0: Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day. Every day with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in. WIP Daily. Joe Giulio with you. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following the podcast here. Of course, our video feed, 90 for WIP, the YouTube page. Check it out there. Myself, Tucker Bagley, put up a lot of video podcasts each week. And of course, High Hopes guys with Jack and James and Elliot and Jack with Clap Your Hands. And of course, Go Birds with Elliot True Parks and James Seltzer, plus a lot of content from 90 for WIP on air, right there on YouTube. Go check it out there. All right, today a lot to dive into. We're going to do a Philly summit on the midday show on Tuesday, and really kind of go into all the different aspects of this team as we head to the off season, and all the important factors and who they could get, what they might subtract, and how Dave Dombrowski tries to take this team from where it's at to go become a World Series champion. And one of the names out there, and I'm not surprised, but it, it came like pretty suddenly last night, and that is Josh Hader now being connected to the Phillies, the closer. A uh, long-time top reliever in the in Major League Baseball, really for the Brewers, and then obviously the last couple years, year and a half for the San Diego Padres. The being connected here by John Morosi of MLB.com to the Rangers and the Phillies, two teams obviously that played very deep. Rangers won it all, and the Phillies made the NLCS and, and we know lost in seven games. But the Josh Hader idea. So I, I have I'm of two minds on the closer thing in Major League Baseball. I. I do think in the regular season it is an overrated thing to have a set closer. I really do believe that. You look at the teams that make the playoffs, teams that how they spend their money, you really don't need it. Look at the Phillies last year. Look at how they, they got to the playoffs. Look how they won 90 games. It was not totally Craig Kimbrell. It became it became Craig Kimbrell, but they had options throughout the bullpen. You know, two years ago it was very similar to that between Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez. They didn't need a lockdown closer to play very deep into October two years in a row. But in October, there is a value to having that guy. There really is. There's a value to having something at the back end that you know you can count on. And the Phillies did not have that really in either of the last two postseasons, but especially this past one with Craig Kimbrell out there. So while I understand there is trepidation, on the idea of paying a lot of money for a closer especially as they you know approach their free aging years which is usually around the age of 30 you know maybe the best of that guy is in the past and Josh Hader fits that bill and we're talking about a guy who just finished his age what 29 season so i will be you know pitching his age 30 season next year so there's you know when we see the contract numbers for Josh Hader and it's like 4 years You know, $100 million Or or something in that range I mean, He's going to want to break Edwin Diaz and, And be the highest paid closer In the history of baseball When we see that There's going to be some Oh no factor to it And that's understandable Because I think we realize With closers Even the best ones I mean, other than Mariano Rivera Maybe you could pick out One or two more In the history of baseball You know, Wagner was Very, very good Very, very consistent Hoffman, for the most part Very, very consistent But other than that You could probably pick out for all of these guys. You know, if you take a four or five year stretch, which I'm imagining that's what kind of contract Josh Hader is going to look at, there's going to be a year in there where it's not good. Even Josh Hader, in his brilliant career so far, and the guy's a 2.50 ERA, he's a 169 adjusted ERA. I mean, the guy's had an outrageously good career so far, and he's been up since 2017. You know, you go back to 2022. When he was just, he, you know, the Phillies kind of broke him. Remember that? The, the daycare with Veerling and, you know, in Boehm and Milwaukee in early June when Topper first took over. They kind of broke him that year and he was never really right. So he had that year. Now, is that the one blip and he'll be good for the next four? Will he have another one of these within the next four or five years? I don't know. The relievers are very very unpredictable and they could have rough regular seasons. We saw it firsthand in Philadelphia with Brad Lidge. What what did he do in 08 compared to what he did in 09. I mean, you just you just don't know. But there is a value that I think this team right now, the, the Phillies as they stand in their trajectory trying to win the World Series, there is a, a an extreme value right now in trying to secure something for the month of October. You know, you think back to – let's use Rivera because Rivera is the greatest closer we've ever seen. You know, was he insanely valuable to the Yankees, that Yankees team, that dynastic Yankees team in the regular season? Not really. I mean, they would have won, you know, their 95 to 105 every year without him. Just sub in a decent closer, a good closer. They're going to be fine because they had so many good players and starters and, you know, just quality at-bats throughout the lineup. But in October, he was the difference maker. I can make the case he was the most valuable in a dynasty in October because when they gave him a lead, he almost never gave it back. I mean, it was locked down. Instead of being 75%, it was 95%. And that was the difference you know, in a razor-thin margin of a seven-game series or five-game series. That's it. That You can't, you can't blow a game you're supposed to win, and that was it. And I think back to this year with the Phillies, if Josh Hader was on the mound instead of Craig Kimbrell, game three and four, what this series is different? Well, the Phillies are in the World Series. I mean, it just comes down to that. As far as the pitcher goes, so so just before we move on, I am in favor of this. I'm in favor because of where the Phillies are at. I, I recognize the risk. I recognize the money and how much that will cost compared to what else they could do. But I am in favor because locking down the ninth inning in October is is different and this guy is is really outstanding i mean look at his career and it, it, the pitchers he's most similar to right now through his age are billy wagner or oldest chapman jonathan papal guys that have been super high-end super high-end closers of major league baseball and i actually think there is a a comp here like he could be this decade's papal and when i say that you're gonna say oh like jonathan Pappelbon, but go look at what Pappelbon did here he just arrived at the wrong time jonathan Pappelbon was what the Phillies asked for. Was what you know Ruben Amaro hoped for when they signed him. It was everyone else's fault that the team stunk around him. A closer can't, a closer can't control how many save opportunities you give him. A closer can't control the games he's not part of because you lost seven to three. That's not the closer's fault. It just doesn't work that way. Now allocation of resources, where the Phillies were in their trajectory, they they, they misread everything back in two thousand twelve. Now is this team better set up for success twenty? 24, 2025, 2026. I think we hope so. Not a lock, we hope so. They are a little bit on the older side. You know, if we're talking about them in this run, they're probably more in the 2010 range if we go back to like 07, 08, 09 or you know, like the, like we're kind of comparing this run of the Phillies to that run. I think we're more like 2010 ish version of the Phillies. Um that's what 2024 could be so i think there's a little longer runway of success before this thing starts to fall down and hater could be a missing kind of piece when it comes to october so that is something to keep in mind another thing to keep in mind as you kind of work your way through all right how why and how does the puzzle fit together i do think it's interesting to note what's been out there through the rumors of free agency so far and i always like to correlate these things like all right does A go with B, or does A not make any sense with B? Okay, so what have we heard so far? We keep hearing Aaron Nola, see you later, right? That he's not going to be back. That they're they're pro- this is not going to happen. They're hundred million dollars apart, according to John Heyman. The rumors out there are right now are the Cardinals and the Braves. It just it really it's starting to pick up to where it's it feels loud that Aaron Nola is not coming back. I mean, there's very little connecting him back here. You know, unless John Middleton comes in the last minute with a blank check. It feels like, and it's just just the way it feels, that Aaron Nola is going to pitch somewhere else next year. Okay, so the Phillies are going to lose the biggest asset Nola brings, which is his innings, his ability to pitch deep into games. And what have we noticed with the other side of the rumors, who the Phillies you know are connected to? Okay, we've heard Sonny Gray, who pitches high end innings but not a lot of innings. Okay, we've heard Blake Snell, who pitches high end innings, super high end innings, but not a lot of innings. And now we've heard. Uh, the Josh Hader name, which is a super high-end kind of closer here Who could end a game or, or just dominate an inning for you And what that makes me wonder is if the Phillies are planning to build a different kind of staff You know, with Zach Wheeler obviously at the top and being a very, you know, he's, he's, he's a workhorse But I wonder, you think about Ranger Suarez You think about Sonny Gray or Blake Snell or whoever that is and I wonder if the Phillies are planning here. And Christopher Sanchez, who Dave DeBras keeps penciling in as, as a guy that is going to be in the rotation, I wonder if the Phillies are planning to have more of a modern day rotation. Maybe maybe two guys that pitch deep into games. That be Zach Wheeler and Taiwan Walker. You know, they'll give you their six or seven. Uh, obviously, Wheeler does it better, but just you know that kind of pitcher. And then have the other three starters be more of five inning variety. The Snell, the Gray, the Ranger you know, the, the Sanchez occasionally get you through six, but mostly five inning starting pitchers. And I wonder if their plan is to build out a super bullpen in lieu of that and go a different way and, and find a different way about it. I mean, that either can work. I mean, I, I think we have tradition in our minds, but look at the way most teams are built nowadays. They don't have, you know, inning eater after inning eater after inning eater in the rotation. Now, having a team that has more than one or two is rare. So the Phillies could go this direction. And, you know, bullpens are – volatile you don't know what you're getting year after year but I, I would feel pretty good about the idea of having hayter and jeff hoffman and jose alvarado and orion kirkering like that i'll start my bullpen with those four and i'll cross my fingers on and i'll cross my fingers on soto that one of those two guys has a good year next year and then you've got five That is, it include matt strom who we know is a quality pitcher not you know i don't think he's super high end but he's a quality major league you know swing guy so now you've got something Right, and we're not even talking about and the Fleming guy they got from the, the Rays last week. I think could be an interesting arm. So now we're talking about building a bullpen of depth, of strikeouts, of the ability for Topper night-to-night to, night to mix and match. Now, Hayter used to be a guy when he was young, and I loved him when, he, when the way he pitched when he was young. He'd come in at any moment. He'd be a fireman. Sixth inning, fifth inning. Craig Council used him immaculately back in Milwaukee you know, a long time ago. Those days are, are different now, and he doesn't do that. Now he's a one-inning guy. And, you know, he's evolved. He, he's, he's no longer what he was in going six outs or five outs. Now, maybe in October he would. I don't know. There was a weird moment this year at the end of the season where he didn't want to go into a game, and, and Melvin seemed to be upset in, in San Diego. So there's some weirdness, a little, little prickly nature, it feels like, to Josh Shader. But the guy's outstanding as a pitcher. I mean, he just, he is an outstanding starting pitcher here for, yeah, and he's me, a relief pitcher, and he's been so for a very long time. The other thing to consider with the Hater situation and, and like their pursuit, possible pursuit of Josh Hader, is is the money. And, and look, I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's going to cost a bunch per year, but it'll probably be on a smaller term deal. And I wonder if the Phillies, you know, obviously per year matters, luxury tax matters, but I'm also wondering if they have in their head some sort of budget for what they want to spend this offseason. Let's just let's just go under that premise, okay? And I'm wondering if, yes, per year, Sonny Gray and Josh Hader would be more expensive. It's two players versus one compared to Aaron Nola. But on total contract value, it's probably less. And I wonder how they equate all that into it as they plan out this year, the next year, future years, obviously having Trey and Bryce signed up for a very long time. Do they want another super long-term deal where they have to worry? You know, it's just, it's kind of, Piling risk on top of risk on top of risk, if you're going to have Turner at the age of 39 and Harper at the age of 39 and Noel at the age of 37, is that what you want as you you know look forward to 2029? I, I don't know. And I'm thinking about the idea of okay, let's say they're willing and comfortable showing out $200, and $200 million this offseason. And let's say they can get Josh Hader for $100 million and then get Sonny Gray for $75 million. And now they have added a starting pitcher to replace Nola. They have upgraded their bullpen immensely. And they still have $25 million to play with for whatever they want to go do. I mean, however they want to accentuate the ball club, whether it is getting another outfielder to play left field and, you know, keeping Castellanos or moving on from Castellanos and trying to get a super big name like Mike Trout in the outfield. I mean, however you want to do it. But I do wonder if that also goes into the equation here that it's not just how much they're spending on players for next year but it's how much they're allocating for future years and i believe the idea of of hater like hey i'd be shocked if hater's a seven or eight year deal i mean just no one's ever done that with a relief pitcher it's silly it's ridiculous but this is a guy who's had immense success he's only just had his age 29 season he's yes he's had one down year it's mostly up years he's not perfect but he's darn good and you know he's on a trajectory that will likely end up in Hall of Fame contention. I mean, he, he's got a Billy Wagner type of start to his career. Oldest Chapman kind of start to his career. Jonathan Papelbon kind of start to his career. Guys that we discuss in the in the context of p- possible Hall of Fame. I, mean, I, I think Billy Wagner's on the path to making it. Chapman's career is very similar. You know, Papelbon, he was a character, but boy, was he a good pitcher when he was on, and he was on for a very long time. And I, I think we have a guy in, in Hayter who has got years left. And the other just quick ironic part about signing Hayter is he already has been part of, and this is not not really for any reason, but just the reality of it, part of one of the biggest moments in Phillies history at Citizens Bank Park. Like he should have been in the game to face Bryce Harper, bedlam at the bank. Like that should have been him. And for some reason, Bob Melvin went to Suarez there, and it turned into a disaster for the San Diego Padres, and it helped propel the Phillies to the World Series. So, you know, is this kind of a a fate thing that he's destined to be here to be the missing piece? I I don't know typically I'm anti-closer with big money with big years this guy is an outlier the Phillies are in a unique position where they need a missing piece they need missing pieces they need the finishing touch to October I think it would help Topper manage through October because he would have one thing settled that ninth inning or you know I hope he'd be open to pitching whatever inning but he'd have an inning Settled. I don't think he's at the point now where he's going to go multiple innings in his career, but he'd have an inning settled once a game. You just know it's an eight-inning game because I've got Josh Hader. I think that would really help Rob Thompson in the month of October. I'm in. I'm officially in. I'm usually not the guy who says, go spend big money on a closer. This closure is really good. This reliever is really special. It's a good way to build this team and add to this team for the month of October because that's all that matters to the Phillies. I'm officially in on going to get Josh J. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following WIP Daily. Thanks so much.